0: Hello and welcome to My Life in Three Songs, a podcast presented by The Daily Emerald. My name is Riley and each week I interview a different member of Oregon faculty talking about the three songs that changed their life. This week I'm talking to business professor Doug Wilson. How you doing tonight, Doug? I'm great, Riley. Thank you. So the other people we've had on the show so far have all been journalism professors who come from kind of an artistic background. But you are a business professor, so you have more of an analytical background. How do you relate to music as someone from that world?
1: Well, I think that I still have the connection with music in terms of an artistic standpoint. And I hope that a business mentality doesn't get in the way of really being able to connect with music on that basis. But but I do often think about the financial health of music and some of the more practical aspects that happens within that industry, that's for sure.
0: I'm very interested in that, especially from your perspective, because I bet over your lifetime, everything has changed just from the way people buy music and how much money musicians can make. Have you felt invested in the way that music has changed or the music industry has changed financially? I mean, honestly,
1: ever since Napster, I have had serious concerns about the viability of the industry. I mean, even though changes have really put financial stress on the publishers and some of the music streaming services. I primarily am concerned about the impact that it's having on individual artists, particularly new artists, and the horrendous challenges that they now face, just as far as the the financial viability of of producing music and, and trying to make a lifestyle out of
0: it. So yeah, I'm very interested in that because as you said, Napster really changed the game where people could just get it for free and all of that. And to me, streaming like Apple Music and Spotify is a response to Napster, where they're trying to get money out of it any way they can. So they're kind of settling for the fact like, okay, we're not going to be able to charge per song the way we used to. We're going to try to do this like in between between actually selling physical items and giving it away for free online. But I get the sense that you agree that Spotify is not a it cannot last sustainably. What do you think comes next in terms of all of this and streaming?
1: Well, in fact, Riley, I want to comment really quickly on that because I think that's key in terms of Spotify in particular. It's fascinating to me. I I remember when Spotify entered the U.S. market. To me, it does not seem like it's been that long ago. And they have done such an aggressive job and their market share today is really substantial. I mean, to the point that they are clearly the the giant in the room. And so um, I think it's interesting the amount of power that they've gotten. But I also think it's interesting, and the recent Joe Rogan thing kind of mm-hmm. brought this to light. I also think it's interesting that my understanding of their strategy is that they're really trying to navigate away from music or at least in addition to music, have you know the talk show format because they have seen a lot of revenue from that because of the stress, the financial stress that they're experiencing. Uh, just by relying on music alone.
0: Yeah, it does seem like they're trying to branch out to different markets and them choosing Joe Rogan over Neil Young shows that they're almost more interested in the potential of audio content over music as like a stereotypical thing to put all your eggs in one basket. I think that that
1: is what they are signaling as a key to their strategic future is that it's not just going to be about music anymore.
0: So do you believe the desire for humans to make art will outweigh the fact that a lot of these artists aren't making money and people will continue to enter the music industry? Or do you feel like this is a big enough consequence that people might actually shy away from creation?
1: I think the underlying desire is still going to remain. And on a very optimistic note, my guess is that there's going to be other kind of paths, other kind of venues that these artists are going to be able to pursue that might make it more attractive to them rather than dealing with, you know, the collection of the stream music services. But it's clearly going to be a stressor. And, and we just know, in terms of art in general, we just know that if it is not financially viable, we're just not going to see the level of creativity or the level of access or the kind of volume that, that we've enjoyed in the past. My limited understanding and experience and observation of the industry is that the producers and the labels do have tremendous power over the artist. I, I think there are have been a couple of situations uh, recently where the artist has been given a lot of free reign and has been far more successful than what they would have been if they would have been really restricted, uh, again, either by the producer and or the label itself. So I think in some regards, The music industry is more vulnerable to the power that the label has because I want to get signed. I'll do anything to get signed. And that can change the dynamics of what should be really a mutual partnership.
0: Wow, that's a good takeaway. The artist has the power, you know, even if it doesn't look like that. All right, that's enough analytical talk. Let's get into the emotional stuff. Will you tell us a little bit about the first song you chose? Yeah,
1: the first song I chose, and it was so interesting for me to think back on this But it was actually the song Blowing in the Wind. Now, Riley, you know, I don't know if your audience says that I'm freakishly old. So I'm basically kind of a child of the 60s. And so I was really influenced, uh, even at a young age, by some of the music that I heard. I am not uh, a Bob Dylan fan. I do not enjoy Bob's voice, but I think he is one of the most gifted writers. And so, for example, the Joan Baez version of Blowing in the Wind, I think is one of the classic songs. And that really shaped my love of music and even to this day I can hear music that has elements of that song and I, and I think that's why I'm drawn to that kind of music. Um, the, the next selection that I had was uh, I was you know heavily influenced by the Beatles. I was actually even a little young for the Beatles but my older sister she was a seven year older sister And she was a a massive Beatles fan. I remember we got in the Chevy station wagon and we drove to Portland and we dropped her and her friend off at a Beatles concert.
0: Well, speaking of music management, uh, did you see the the Get Back documentary about the making of Let It Be and all that? Yes, I did. I did. I, I thought that was interesting because it showed how much of a mess the business side of everything was for the veto. Like they had no idea what they were doing up until like the release date of the album. I cannot believe it worked out the way it did. I, don't I know. And
1: I don't know if that's just great luck or what. But I, I think that's not that unusual. I think that was a really interesting insight into what maybe some of the chaos that takes place with some bands. And again, managing this whole business side of thing because they're not invested in that part of it. It's like a a necessary evil that they've got to do that just to get the record out. They'd really rather just focus on creativity in their music.
0: That's always kind of fun, the balance between art and commerce. And I've seen so many music documentaries now that I, I kind of have this image of like the manager of a band. And to me, they represent like the business aspect of it. So you have such a deep understanding of how business works. Do you think you could manage a rock band if you had to?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if I could. I think it'd be a big task. But now I'm going to play on that on that question and kind of take it a little bit different direction. And I know this is a very broad, generalized statement. But it's so interesting because I've worked with artists and I've worked with people that are in the professional services category. And they, they had this common thing is that they have jumped into this arena because they are passionate about what they're doing. You know, if it's an artist um, that's creating music or visual art, or if it's uh, a software programmer that's, that's doing something in the creation of an app, for example, um, and unfortunately, notoriously, they're not very good business people. That, that's not what drew them in. They didn't realize they'd have to like run a business and figure this out. So, you know, so we need a manager for the rock band, right? Because the band's got other things that they do better and that they'd rather focus on. And again, that is another challenge, another problem, especially for the small, you know, indie kind of person um, that doesn't have those resources, can't afford, uh, isn't that at that level yet. Um, I think that is really a concern because of the direction that the music industry is heading. So
0: when you see these lawsuits where it's like a band uh, suing their record label or something like that because they didn't read all of the fine print or the documents, do you find yourself siding more with the record label because you know the intricacies of how a business has to be run?
1: No, I always, always align with the artist because I always feel in most cases that the label is exploiting the artist when those kind of conflicts come up. I mean, you know, the Taylor Swift situation, but there are many other examples. I feel like it's exploitation of the artist's creative work and that the artist should be paramount as far as being fairly compensated and protected in terms of what they've done, not only with with current earnings, but also future revenues that may
0: come. Have you heard about this trend of, of musicians? I think Bob Dylan just did it where they sell their back catalog and they lose their rights. How do you feel about that?
1: I think that it really speaks to the fact that there is suspicion as far as future revenue potential. And again, with the way the industry is going, the way that labels are managing, uh, the way that streaming services not only have low reimbursement for the artists, but sometimes very late reimbursement for the artists. The fact that Dylan and others are selling their catalogs is saying that I'll cash out now, thank you very much, (laughs) and let someone else deal with the uncertainties of the future.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of only an option for those legacy acts like Bob Dylan, who have been, have such a big catalog that they can actually sell it like that and kind of agree with the idea that they're not, their best work might not be ahead of them and the next albums they're going to make might not sell the same amount as the original.
1: My third choice was Imagine by John Lennon. And I think just because of the content and the the whole vibe of the song, I, I just felt was really influential. And again, I can see where it influences the attraction that I have to music today.
0: So does that mean John's your favorite Beatle, or just do you just have the best solo career in your opinion? Paul's my favorite
1: Beatle, but no, uh, still I think that John did some amazing things. I think this is a really interesting time. There's this um, book that's called Crossing the Chasm by Jeffrey Moore, and it talks about industry and industry changes and He talks about this moment of the, he calls it the tornado. The fact that all these industry players are kind of they're reaching maturity or have matured, they're established, and they're really fighting for market share. And there's going to be some fallout in this tornado. Some are going to be losers. There's going to be acquisitions. Some are going to be winners. A really tumultuous time. I think that may describe to a certain degree what the industry is experiencing now.
0: Wow. It's a scary, uh, uncertain ending, (laughs) but I trust you. I think you've had some really good advice and some insights. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you, Riley. Thank you for listening to my discussion with Professor Doug Wilson. You can find a playlist with all the songs talked about in this episode, as well as all the other ones in the episode description. See you next week.